0: In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome the former one-man band DJ hybrid for the Atlanta Hawks, Sir Foster. Find out how Foster began his journey performing in front of NBA crowds. And he also discusses his experience performing at several NBA All-Star games. And he talks about the evolution of NBA entertainment and a lot more. Please know this was recorded April 19th when Sir Foster was the organ player for the Atlanta Hawks. He has uh, since moved on to his music career. I wish him the best. You don't want to miss this interview as we get a behind-the-scenes look at, you know, this in-arena entertainment for NBA fans. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest shows. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcasts, and now, Sir Foster. He is the one-man band and DJ hybrid for the Atlanta Hawks. We welcome Sir Foster onto Hoopsology.
1: How y'all doing?
0: Doing really well. Been looking forward to this interview. We've had um, DJ Shauna from the Milwaukee Bucks on our show, Um, our podcast covers every aspect of basketball not just kind of like the clickbait headlines that you see this basketball culture overall everything about the experience so we traditionally like to ask our guests um either their favorite basketball memory or their first basketball memory um any way you want to take it just go ahead
1: (laughs) (laughs) um favorite basketball memory I've, i've been watching basketball since i was eight seven like with my dad as a kid i i don't know um there's several um i would say as a fan as a fan i probably have two um michael jordan hitting that shot against the utah jazz in the finals
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: that saturday night game and i think it was 2016 where steph curry was playing against the thunder and he hit a, like, 75-foot three-pointer at the buzzer to beat the Thunder, and that had never been done before. This is the year they went 73-9. and He hit that shot, and it was, like, uh, the double bang for Mike Breen. That is one of my favorite <laughs> memories as a fan. Kobe's 60-point final game is one of my favorite memories as a fan. As, a, as an in-person organist, as a person working for the team, I would say uh, one of my favorite memories is our first playoff game, I want to say we were playing the Knicks, and it was the season, it was one of those, it was the season after the pandemic. So we had like socially distanced crowds. And then for the playoffs, they said we could have a real crowd. So it was the first real crowd in like two years. And like nice. the energy in that building was insane. I've never played a game like that, the whole playoffs. And we ended up going to the Eastern Conference final that year. So the whole playoffs was like that. Um, so I guess those are my three memories.
0: So you brought it up. What was that experience like? Um, this Mad and I relaunching this podcast started during the pandemic and talking to journalists and even, you know, other DJs around the league. They said this having fans back that was a momentous occasion. So can you take us back during that game in particular when all those fans were back?
1: Yeah, I've never had, I've never seen that much. I mean, so let's let's back up. Atlanta, yeah. during the playoffs, we always have extremely energetic crowds. We always have extremely loud crowds. We always have extremely, like, fantastic playoff atmospheres. Um, and even with comparing all our playoff atmospheres, there's never been a crowd like that. The first game back, people haven't been to a Hawks game for real, for real, in two years. People are sick of the pandemic. There were so many things going on in that year combined with the fact that, that the Hawks were actually good and we had a chance to win and we were playing the Knicks, the Knicks fan base travels. There's Knicks fans in every state. They travel. They will come to your arena. If you were not careful, they will take over your arena. And They couldn't do that. <laughs> they could not do it that series because Atlanta came out in full force and, like, we were not going to let it happen. And it was from the opening tip to the end of the game. It was every game. It was every series. Nobody's fans were coming in that arena and being louder than us. We were crazy. Um, I've never been a part of anything with that much energy.
2: So when you are, I want to kind of ask about your process during a game. I mean, do you kind of have you know sort of like a like a set list, like a musician in you know in a concert getting ready for that type of experience um I, i'm sure you make adjustments as the game is going but what is kind of your your preparation like for each game
1: um so you know i'm always listening listening to new music and trying to figure out what songs i would want to add to my playlist to my library um just as a dj period it, really just as a music fan like okay, sure what's hot right now they're, you know, what's hot right now, what are people listening to, what do I notice people are really like? I notice people's reactions, like, okay, they like that. And what do I just personally like? And you just kind of balance all three of those. Um, and then I kind of pick which songs I would like to play. Like, eventually, I want to add this, this, and this, this, this to my set list. So, you know, I might start working on those songs or practicing them. But when I get to the game, I really kind of let the game dictate what I play. So, I might have learned three new songs today and not of them because this game doesn't feel like that. Um, so when I get to the game, I kind of listen to what our other DJs are playing. We have, we have two other DJs. So we always have three, D, three, day, three DJs working. Um, so DJ Sheikah, DJ Mohawk and me. And so like, when I get there, one of them will be playing like warm up and one of them will play when doors opens. And then I, you know, I, we both, like, two of us will do get, the game itself. I kind of listen to what they're doing. I kind of watch them fan reaction to kind of, you know, there's always a storyline for each game or whatever. And then I have personal goals for that day. Like I want, from a playing standpoint, I want to accomplish this or I want to make sure I do this. And so like during my sound check and my warm up, I kind of like work on my personal goals and I combine all of that with like, how does this game feel? What's happening? Then once the game starts, the only thing I know is like, what's the first couple songs I want to play? And after that, it's all strictly like, okay, the game feels like this now. So I'm going to do that.
2: And how does that kind of change to, depending on what's happening with the game? I mean, I, I imagine it's difficult, you know, if the, if the team is having a bad night and it's, it's like you're trailing double digits. I mean, how does the the strategy kind of change in that situation? Cause of course you're trying to keep the energy of the fans going, you're trying to keep hopes up and, and keep people engaged in the game. How do you kind of do that from a musical perspective?
1: So you're absolutely right. You have to, I pick and choose my times to play based on what's happening with the game. Um, mm-hmm. You can play the greatest song in the world, but it's not effective if you play it at the wrong time. So, mm-hmm. me, and, me and whichever other DJ is working that day, we communicate. So, okay, you know what? Let me take this possession. All right, you take this one. Um, sometimes, we, even we change that. If I say, hey, you take the next possession and then the other team gets a big dunk, I'll be like, you know what? Let me take this one. You know, I need to play something to get the crowd involved or whatever. Um, Now, if we're trailing double digits, it depends on how does it look when we're trailing double digits? You know, is this still a winnable game? A 20-point lead in Mm -hmm. the NBA can become a six-point lead real quick. True. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, you know, so is this still a winnable game? If so, then we need to focus on trying to keep the crowd in it, keep the energy up, keep spirits up, keep people in a positive place. Might play some happier songs, might play some... Let's go, Hawks! Type stuff. You know, just keep people spirits up. If the game has completely gotten away from us, at that point, I just want people to have fun with their experience. So, sure. you know, hey, listen, to it. okay. You know, if it's the fourth quarter, and, you know, seven minutes left, we're down by thirty. Yeah, you know, you never can want to give up, but at that point, I just got to make sure the fans are having fun. However past two to three seasons, we haven't had many of those. There haven't, been, there haven't been a lot of games where, I would even say the past four seasons, there haven't been a lot of games where the game has been out of reach. It's been more like we lost the lead or we couldn't quite over, come over the hump. So I haven't had to just keep fans interested. You know, I, I've, we've been very fortunate enough to have close games where like, you know, we're at least, we at least have a shot to win.
0: So can you talk about the in-arena experience from what you present for Atlanta Hawks fans? Atlanta has its own swag, I think, compared to other arenas around the NBA. Can you just kind of describe how you separate the fan experience compared to other arenas around the league? Uh,
1: I think we do a very good – we definitely put a premium on music. Like like I told you, we have three DJs. I don't think most of the arenas have a live organ player. I think that's something that you maybe I don't know if the exact number of teams, but only a few teams have that. Um, and we really put a premium on everything when it comes to our show. You know, we've got fire coming out of the you know <laughs> starting lineups. We've got um, we do really interactive timeouts in terms of like we'll pick like they have a video called This or That where they put two choices on the board and let the players choose which one and the crowd always gets really into that. Cause like, if it's this or that rappers and you have, you know, future outcasts, you got the crowd <laughs> choosing which one they want. And sometimes they <laughs> react to it like, Oh, you chose him instead of him. You know? So <laughs> um, that's really good. Um, we really put a, a, we really put a focus on trying to make sure that the in game experience is an extension of what life in the city is like. So life in this city you know there's a certain energy to it there's a certain you know atmosphere and we want it to feel like that except a basketball game you know what i mean so that way the fan can connect to the in arena experience and connect to the team because it feels like what they're used to um so you know we play music from everywhere but we do play a lot of a lot of atlanta arts you know what i'm saying because this is where we are and that's what people listen to here so we put a you know we we definitely want it to feel like you're in Atlanta now. I think we've done a very good job of embracing who and what this city really is. Um, it certainly is a sprawling city, you know what I'm saying? But every I think we gre- grasp every part of it in our in our in-game experience. And I think that has helped that come with having an exciting team has helped fans to really connect our team.
2: The, is there anything that changes depending on who the opponent you're playing is i mean i know you guys are focused on a lot of the things that that we've discussed like keeping the energy up and of course focusing on those home fans but any sort of changes or or sort of uh, jabs that you take depending on the opponents that are there
1: um so they have a they have a video series where like they let the players try to draw the other team's logo and then they'll mm-hmm. so like you know, Orlando Magic, they'll have a player come up and doodle it, and it, you know, it looks how it looks, and then they'll replace the other team's logo on the scoreboard with that doodle for, like, a quarter. Um, but as, that's the only jab that I can tell that we take the, with other teams. As far as I, the way I feel like we do it is, like, you came to see the Hawks, and the other team is there so that the Hawks have somebody to play. We're not really concerned about them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they for just sure. have to be here, so, like, <laughs> so this is not a scrimmage. So, like, You came to see Trey Young, you know what I'm saying, and our guys. And, you know, it's some other dudes out there too playing against us. (laughs) And that's it, you know. But as far as me, my preparation for any game is the same. I don't care if it's Tuesday night against the worst team in the league or the All-Star game. I prepare prepare for them all exactly the same.
0: Have you had any players um, get involved in terms of – there are ideas of implementing those into what you do at all? Or is it kind of like you just, you take it? (laughs) No, nobody's interaction with you in terms of their suggestions. Um,
1: I used to get a lot of players suggestions. Um, I used to have like assistant coaches giving me suggestions. Um, (laughs) I don't don't know if players would say, give me suggestions. They were more like, that's what I'm talking about. Good job. That type stuff. You know what I mean? Um, Post pandemic that has kind of changed. I don't, I don't I'm not there as early. I'm not interacting with the players as much. Um, but pre-pandemic I did get a lot of that.
2: Tell us about um, you know, the differences in playing, you know, the organ during the games, having that like live music instrumentation feel. Um, there, there are a lot of arenas around the league that don't have something like that going on um how does that kind of change the experience for you and and for the fans
1: it's like the way i look at myself is like i'm the orchestra for the broadway play that is the game so like Mm -hmm. you've seen a play on broadway like one of the things that tripped me out about it was that you know you're looking at the screen and they got you get looking at the stage and the special effects and it's all this and you look down that pit and you realize there's people playing this live and you're like for real like they're scoring the thing live, and that was that was amazing to me to see it. And I look at it like that, um, because I'm a live musician. I can react to the game in a way that the computers and the, you know, the click boxes can't react to it. Um, I can speed up and slow down. I can make very sudden changes, and um, it just adds a lot of layers to the game. I can also do reactions. Um, a lot of times, like I can tell. Because I know the game of basketball, I can tell that it's a foul before they announce foul on whoever. So, like, I can play a little something that reacts to that. And I think it, those little – those small details in the big scheme of things, they add to a big experience because they let know, the fans know something happened. You know what I mean? Um, so, that's – I would say those are the biggest things, just being live and being able to score the game as if it's a Broadway play. Um, I think that's you, – you can't replicate that. With
2: machines, absolutely. Yeah, it see it seems like it. It's a way that, um, at least in games that I've been to, you know, whether that be baseball, basketball, or whatever, when you have the organ, it it seems like it connects the fans a little bit more. Like the the collective emotion is kind of heard through what you're playing. Um, And, and, you know, lets everyone kind of react in that together. And and I think also can add those elements of like comedy and humor at times that other forms of music can't necessarily do that. Is there, you know, reacting to the foul you mentioned? I mean, is there other stuff that are kind of like your your go to fill ins to um, react to stuff like that?
1: I have a few go to fill ins for fouls. The rest Mm of them, I kind of play them by ear because I want them to sound authentic. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to overdo those.
2: So
1: I kind of let those feelings happen game to game. And I make those adjustments from game to game. Um, But one of the things I can say is like on the defensive end, um, a lot of times they want us to just, if if the other team has the ball, they want us to just play defense. So I probably have a hundred different variations of that. And I make make up new ones during the game. just to keep it, like, even though it's saying the same thing, it feels different. It sounds different. So you don't get ear fatigue. I think that's a big detail that, you know, being a live musician that I can do. Like I said, that you can't really do with machines.
0: So I want to just pull back a little bit. And I want to ask you just your passion for music. How did that start? And what was kind of the origins for you ultimately landing with the Atlanta Hawks?
1: Um, so my mother says that when I was six months old, I was on a walker. I walked up to my grandfather's piano. And I hit one note and tried to sing it to them. And my grandfather was like, Willie? Like, <laughs> y'all need to give him music lessons. That seems like you know what the universe put him here to do. So that's I started taking music lessons when I was six or seven. And um, I just stuck to it. Um, as far as landing with the Hawks, excuse me, as far as landing with the Hawks, it was the craziest story ever. Um, the Hawks put out a Craigslist ad saying they were looking for an organ player. And I used to be on Craigslist pretty heavy, so I just answered it. And, like, I got the job. And at the time, I didn't even wow. think it would like I you know, I had to go through a couple interviews. I had to go through a preseason game with them. Like, I had never been a stadium organ player before. I didn't even know there was a science to it. I didn't know that was a real thing. I was just, like, a musician playing in clubs. And um, I ended up getting the job. And I was kind of like, well, you know, this crowd is bigger than the crowd at the club. So, like, <laughs> more people would see me. <laughs> like, I didn't even think. Totally. Of, like, wait a minute. It's the NBA. It's, like. Global, I, I didn't even picture that. It was like, well, you know, hey, it's a big audience. Okay, cool, we do this, <laughs> and um, you know, here I am. So that's that's how that story worked.
0: What has surprised you on your journey and coming from you know gigging at different clubs to getting like a permanent um, position with just the Hawks, um, just playing you know in front of a lot more people, just compared to that club experience? Are there any negatives, um, mm-hmm. positive surprises, um, just in terms of that experience with just the audience?
1: No, I would actually say the clubs kind of prepared me for it. So when I was when I first first got to the Hawks, um, like the organ player they had me like in this like this way up in the stands, skybox thing, way above the stage. Like I was I was hired and like you know how they have speakers hanging in the arena. I was higher than those. And like <laughs> I think that's where all the organ players were. They were just like high up in the stands, hidden somewhere. Mm. But, like, I used to play in small clubs that didn't have a stage. So, like, the fans would be right up on you, And, like, that's what I was used to. So, like, I told my producer midseason, I was like, yo, I want to be in the audience. You know what I mean? And he told me I was the first Hawks organ player or first organ player in that stadium that they put in the audience. And then they realized, oh, this is better. <laughs> because then they could shoot me. You know what I'm saying? They have a better angle as opposed to up there in the skybox. So, like, all of us in the audience now, like, we're all, like amongst the fans um so i would say the clubs prepared me for it when you play in those clubs like that you got to play so many gigs just to just to really accomplish anything that like i didn't have any stage right by the time i got to the hawks like I, I remember like i was never nervous it was like all right this is what we do now you know what i mean and i guess like looking back you know you're standing for the of twenty thousand people looking back i guess nerves would be expected but at that time I didn't even have any nerves because I had been playing so much and I had been gigging so much. It was like, I just another gig, cool. You know what I'm saying? With would better sound me. All right, dope. I'll take it. And um, <laughs> I just went from there.
2: What do you see is, as far as, you know, the NBA compared to other major sports leagues and the connection with music? Do you think it's, there's, there's a different vibe or what makes the NBA's connection with music unique from what you're seeing?
1: It's an interesting question. It's like basketball just has a different relationship with music, period. Mm-hmm. What is different? I don't know. But it's like hip hop and basketball just go together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't explain. It. Like when you walk in the shoe stores, they're playing hip-hop music and showing basketball clips. Like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And one with a mixtape. That's a hip-hop term. Like, hip hop and basketball just go together they just fit and i don't know who decided that or what but like the nba has embraced it like look we're a basketball league so you know they've totally embraced it um and and it works it it works um i do think this is hard to explain i really don't know i will say the hawks have done a great job of really like totally embracing it we have like random pop-up concerts with rappers in the little games like sometimes i get in, and i'm even surprised like oh who we got today <laughs> Like that happened a couple of games ago it was like oh gucci man's performing today great you know so like we have random pop-up concerts uh one year we went to the playoffs random concerts in the middle like the second quarter okay we're going a little scrappy you know what I mean? Just so we, we take that even a step further because I feel like we're like the entertainment capital of the world. And at the house, we definitely play up to that. Like, yes, this is a game, but this is an experience. You know what I mean? We 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 embrace the fact that our fans come to the games like dressed to the nines in their best gear. So we're going to give you the total experience. And, um, and it's dope. It's
2: dope. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry for the really vague question there, <laughs> you know, putting you on the spot with that, but it does seem to me like there is, there's just no other like deep connection with music and sports that like quite compares with what the NBA has with hip hop. Like you mentioned, like there's, there's live performers at other concerts or at other sporting events and it's expected in some events, but it just doesn't seem as, um, I guess authentic or, or maybe personal is the word that I'm looking for as, as it is with NBA and hip hop, like you mentioned. Yeah,
1: and like I said, I think the it's just the connection to basketball and hip-hop, period. It's just part of the sport's identity. So, like, the NBA just plays up on what is already part of the sport's identity, whereas, like, when you think of football, a lot of times you think of, like, marching bands. So, like, I don't know if marching bands would be considered a genre, you know, and it's kind of harder to do that with a pro mm-hmm. sport. Um, so, baseball, you know, I don't know what you, what, what genre of music you would think of like this sport goes with this. You know what I mean? The the connection of hip hop and basketball is just a unique sports to music connection that I don't know if any other sport really has it. You know what I mean? So the NBA does a great job of embracing what basketball means to the streets and what it means to the fans when it's not at the NBA level, when it's at the high school level or the playground level, and just playing that up on a bigger stage.
0: What do you see in terms of the future of entertainment for the fans? Are you seeing anything, like you just mentioned, you know, when you first got to the Hawks, you were way up in the Raptors and now you're with the the fans themselves. Do you see anything evolving off of that in terms of the in-arena experience from either a musical perspective or from an entertainment perspective? Are there things that you're talking about with the other DJs or with the Atlanta Hawks about how you want to push it to the next level in the future years?
1: Um, One thing I can say is that from my time with the Hawks, I feel like we evolved very quickly. Um, that When I was telling you guys I was up in the skybox or whatever and I asked them to move me to be with the fans, that happened like mid-season of my first year. Like this was not – like we didn't have to go to the board and approve it. It was like, you know what, Foster, you're right. We're going to put you in this section. Okay, you're here now. And so we evolved very quickly all the time. I would think that our – I can say that the Hawks are always trying new things. They always – like one year I came in, they had a new – They could project 3D stuff on the floor. Um, you know, they're always trying new things, they're always evolving all the time. So, my answer to this would be more of the same with newer technology. As as the technology changes, we'll be the first people to have it. Well, they're always gonna try something new, even if the thing last year was good. This is a newer thing, so we're gonna go to that. One thing I I appreciate appreciate about them is that they never run in place. I've never seen the Hawks run in place, and as you know, I've worked with the NBA on six or seven all-star games. And they don't run in place either. (laughs) They don't run in place either. They always have something new, something more exciting, a different angle. Last year we did these type of timeouts, we're doing this type of timeouts this time. Um, They are very forward thinking in terms of their creativity. So it's gonna evolve. I don't know what it will be, but I guarantee it will evolve and they'll probably always be slightly ahead of the curve.
0: I want to ask you, since you brought it up, um, your experience with the All Star Game. What is that like compared to just the Atlanta Hawks games? Is your preparation different um, when you're put in that environment when it's just like all the eyes are focused on that event, not only in basketball but sports in general?
1: Um, yes and no. So yes, it's it's different because I have to play more. So I probably add a few more songs to the to the rotation. Like for normal game. You know, two to five songs. And there, there, there are times when, like, this month I might add, you know, 20 or 30 songs to my library and I might not add any more until next month. Maybe nothing else is hot or maybe nothing else would translate to the organ or whatever. But for the All Star Games, depending on what they're asking me to do, I do have to purposefully, like, add stuff to my library. Not just stuff that I wanna play, but like stuff that's based on the city that we're in and like they might ask me to do something else like hey frost we might need you to handle oregon stuff and instrumentals between plays or whatever so i might have to add those um so as as far as preparation yeah that's it um or the the all-star games are they have very intense rehearsals um so you do have to go to those but other than that you know once i get out there it's pretty much (laughs) It's pretty much the same. It's like, you know, I, I treat all the games the same. I kind of get up for them the same way. And um, that level of consistency of treating them all the same, I think has been something to help. me.
0: This has been a fantastic chat. Thank you for joining us. Please let our audience know where you can find me on social media, the projects you're working on. I understand that um, you put out new music as well. Um, anything else you wanted to just let our audience know?
1: Yes, so you can find me on every platform at Sir Foster World. So that is fan base, um, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, I'm running out of them, but <laughs> so across the world. Also, my album is called Stadium Music, and it's on every platform, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, et cetera. It's on every one of those. Let me know how you feel about that. Um, check out Stadium Music. As far as new things that I'm working on, I'm really just trying to uh, expand and DJ in different places this summer. So. You know, you want me to come to your state, your city, you want me to DJ your party, hit me at Sir Foster World. Go to my website, surfoster.net, which is linked to all my socials, by the way, so you can find it there. And, um, you know, hit me up. We'll see what happens.
0: Awesome. This has been a great chat. Thanks for taking the time, and good luck to the Hawks for the rest of the playoffs.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Y'all take care. You too. Thanks.